Hello and welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nations Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief at Nations Restaurant News, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week I'm talking with AJ Kumaran. He is the co-CEO of chicken finger chain Raising Canes. This is a brand that has done particularly well during the pandemic. They are opening their milestone 600th location, and they have plans for 100 more locations this year. And they added 15,000 new jobs last year from the growth they experienced in 2021. AJ and I talk about the keys to maintaining that growth and about how that momentum has really sustained itself throughout everything that has happened in the past two years. Before I jump into that conversation with AJ, though, just a reminder that there are many other ways you can engage with NRN's award-winning content. Not only can you subscribe to our monthly print edition and our daily AM newsletter at nrn.com slash subscribe, but you can also sub- subscribe to NRN's other podcast, Extra Serving, where our editors discuss the hot-button issues of the day and we share interviews with a wide variety of restaurant personalities. On this week's regular episode, our own Holly Petrie talks with Jonathan Wethington, the CEO of the leading oyster bar franchise, Shuck and Shack. But you can also catch a special bonus episode of Extra Serving featuring a conversation between NRN contributor Mark Hamstra and Pizza Hut US COO Shaquan Lewis. That bonus conversation is part of our Powerless rollout, one of six exclusive conversations with Powerless representatives that we are sharing on the Extra Serving feed. So be sure to go subscribe to Extra Serving wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget that all year long, we are featuring exclusive live content via our digital platform, Create the Future of Food Service. If you like these interviews that we share on the podcast feeds, but you want to participate in them yourself and ask questions in real time, this is the platform for you. You can go to create.nrn.com. That is create.nrn.com to register for free and access those special sessions, both live and on demand. All right, I'm going to jump now into my interview with AJ Kumaran, the co-CEO of Raising Canes. Also, don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my four takeaways from this discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. All right, AJ, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about Raising Canes. Exciting to talk to you again, especially after the success you guys are having. Let's start by talking about 2021. We're here at the beginning of a new year, 2022, but let's take stock of how things are going for Raising Canes. What was last year like for you guys? Man, good year overall. Uh, So we wrapped up the year with just under 600 restaurants, 598. Uh, now we're over 600, just getting through January. Uh, very solid year, did over two and a half billion dollars in sales. Our uh, trending average unit volume is now over $5 million per restaurant on a trailing wow. basis. Uh, just been a very solid year. You know, look, when I think about things that you're really proud of, uh, we created over 15,000 jobs last year. We closed out of the year, a little bit more than 50,000 crew members strong. We came into the year with about 35,000. So really proud of that in a tough year, like 2021 for the country. Uh, we are out there creating opportunities for folks. Um, we were able to continue on our mission to grow restaurants, 
uh, grew a little more than 65 restaurants, right? At 68 restaurants last year. Uh, in, again, in a year like 2021, that is a win. Uh, we we have uh, we have really built up our pipeline to kind of grow into 2022 and beyond, which is what I'm really excited about. 2021, yeah. like like a really like a prep year. So uh, this this year, 2022 is when we're gonna shatter some new records and all of that stuff. I will, I'll tell you though, Sam, when I look back into 2021, uh, and frankly, even operating today, I'd be remiss if I don't say how tough is it out there? You know, yeah. it is, mm-hmm. it's the most challenging times the industry has ever seen in terms of not, not having enough people available to work, not getting product in on time, inflation. I mean, you name it, we've had it and nothing has really gotten better yet, you know? Yeah, I'm sure you don't have some silver bullet because if you did, uh, you could tell the rest of us and figure out how to, to overcome some of these challenges. But you guys have been one of the leaders in this industry in terms of your commitment to your workers. I have to imagine that has benefited you as far as this labor piece, as you mentioned, huge challenge in 2021. But tell me about how that's what you guys have done, the the everything you've, you know, the groundwork you've laid in the years prior, how that's helped you guys with the labor situation. You know, I think I think it starts with uh, having a great place to work. You know, it, it starts with a strong commitment, just when not challenges happen, just all through your lifetime. So since we opened up our first, first restaurant in 1996, North Gates of LSU, 25 years ago, our culture has been about appreciation, appreciating each other, appreciating our crew members, our customers, our communities. And that strong sense of appreciation uh, really has allowed us to stay ahead of everything, you know? Yes, we invested over $100 million in wages last year, uh, but for t- in today's day and age, that's like green space, you know? Everybody expect yeah. that. We improved our uh, our benefits offerings, we improved our investment in scholarships and student benefits, et cetera, et cetera. But more importantly, we continue to be one of the best places to work. Uh, we continue to be a place where we show, we take pride in showing appreciation to our crew members, and that made a huge difference. So, uh, so look, as we go into 2022, we're definitely seeing that momentum. Uh, as you know, kind of like past summer, a little bit into fall is when the world started falling apart in terms of uh, not finding employees, et cetera. Uh, we had a strong rally cry. You, you wrote about it. We were talking about 50,000 crew members in 50 days was our mantra. Yeah. Uh, all our corporate office crew members got out there, became recruiters, became fry cooks, became cashiers. Uh, and all of that really worked. You know, we mm. are probably well ahead of the industry uh, when it comes to attracting great crew members and retaining them as we grow our business. Uh, here's a factoid for you. In yep. uh, November, you know, the country created about 200,000 jobs and we did about, oh, sorry, 100,000 jobs and we did about 8,000 out of that. So uh, wow. it's uh, uh, about 17,000 or so in the whole restaurant industry. So um, it's been it's been good, you know, it's definitely paying off. Our commitment to our crew members uh, is definitely seeing us into 2022 and beyond. So you heard it here first, Raising Cane single-handedly picked up the U.S. economy as uh, carrying it on its back. You know, I, it is curious to me, though, because you, know, you talk about 15,000 new positions and, you know, new positions is one thing, but filling existing positions is a, is a whole other thing, too. So when you think about coming into, you know, filling these new positions, you're coming into some new communities. You know, what is the way that you engage with that community to show them if it's a new community that Raising Cane's is an employer of choice for? For, for those folks? We're fortunate. So, you know, there is plenty of uh, buzz out there about who we are. 
So for the last four years in a row, uh, Glassdoor you know, announces top places to work in the country across all industries. And we're one of the only restaurant companies who've been listed in there. So right. uh, that helps, that buzzes out there. People know us ahead of time, but we don't take anything for granted. So in 2022, kind of speaking about that for a minute, is a monumental year for us. Uh, we're going to open over 100 new restaurants, enter 10 new markets, enter many new states that are not in yet, uh, all in one year. So we need all hands on deck and some new tricks in our box. So uh, we are doing that. So as we enter new markets such as Miami and Philadelphia, New York, et cetera, uh, we're getting ahead of that. We wanna hire local leaders from local communities and local crew members and make them the caniacs and also the experts when it comes to fry cooks and cashiers. So uh, that is what we're doing. We invest way ahead of time. Our average manager goes through over seven months of training because before they become a manager. Mm. Our average multi-restaurant leader goes through about 18 months of training. So mm. the key is to be prepared way ahead in advance. So even when it comes to crew members, frontline employees who work in the front lines of our business, uh, we hire them months in advance train them properly, spend the time, spend the energy, spend the dollars to get them ready for the role. Uh, and I think all that adds into attracting more crew members to join mm -hmm. in the journey with us. So uh, that's what we're in the middle of right now as we prepare for 2022. So talking about this momentum that you've built, um, obviously one of the few restaurant companies that has been able to say that you've carried that momentum really through this whole season. I know after speaking with you, you know, about a year ago, you and I spoke and I remember it was very short blip for you guys in terms of the pandemic's actual effect on the company. So you've carried this momentum through, but I have to imagine you've adapted the ways you're approaching Raising Cane's growth at this point, right? I mean, have you guys looked at, you know, new opportunities as it relates to store models, service models? How do, how has that game kind of been changed for the Keynes business? Yeah, let me let me talk, it in, talk about it in pieces. You're right. Sure. You know, we kind of came out of pandemic very quickly or the, or the impact of it. You know, day one, I was scared. Todd was scared. You know, we were talking about, man, we're down 30%. What's going to happen? Uh, that quickly changed. Uh, in about three to four weeks, we started seeing positive momentum. We were the drive-through business. We were essential to the economy and to feed America. So, uh, that was helpful. So b before you knew it, we were up 10, 20, 30% on our own expectations that we had set pretty high bar on uh, through the year. You know what we did, uh, Sam? We actually decided to double down on our growth. So we went from opening about 50 restaurants in 2020, sorry, 2019, to opening almost you know 60 restaurants in 2020 mm -hmm. and about 65 to 70 restaurants in 2021. And we said, let's just double down and we have at this stage over 350 restaurants, company owned in the pipeline and wow. 100 plus of them will open in the next 12 months. So mm. uh, so that's what we did. We just kind of you know went ahead and decided we wanna grow restaurants all over the world. We wanna be the brand known for great chicken finger meal experience. Uh, and that means we need to build a lot more restaurants. So mm -hmm. uh, with that, we did learn a lot through the pandemic, like most concepts did these days, you know? Uh, we knew the importance of speed all along, but we learned some new things, you know? We now have two lanes, three lanes to serve our customers in our drive-through much quicker and still keep up the same quality. Uh, we learned to implement our mobile ordering as an easy platform for our customers to access us. So we have been adding things to our platform. In fact, uh, you probably wouldn't believe this. After 25 years of being in business, 
we took a new look at our kitchens and mm. we redesigned them to make them much more efficient, to be much more quicker in serving mm. our customers. So uh, all those, we, 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 you know, I, I always say we're students of the business. Mm-hmm. As we learn every single day, we put them into practice the next day. So as quickly as possible, we always put our learnings into play. And all that is also possible because we are a company-owned business. We don't franchise. So right. it's easy for us to adapt and move and change quickly. So you've 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 expanded your use of the drive-through. You've you've adapted that service. Something that's so interesting to me when I think about the ways in which these new models are coming out. Um, and you mentioned the kitchen. I mean, the technology available to make some of these changes is remarkable. And you know, just thinking of automation, you can you can really start to add automation into kitchens and and in in front of house as well to make this stuff be simpler and easier and more efficient. But what's interesting is I think a lot of companies see this as a okay, then I can also replace my team members because I'm automating this thing. But you guys are all about hospitality. So tell me about how you've struck the balance between those two things. Yes, yes. We are, we are, we are frank cooks and cashiers as it's on my sleeve here. Uh, <laughs> look, we, uh, you know, you could potentially replace your frank cooks and cashiers with robots or what have you. Uh, we're not in it. Uh, it is it is not a not a path that we're going to follow. Uh, you know, we we are we are about human experience, human touch, and uh, you know, look honestly, we do this for people. I mean, I do this for people. Todd does this for people. Every single one of the restaurant leaders that you meet in every single one of our restaurants, uh, we de- we do it for our communities. We do it for our crew members, and we do it for our customers. So. Uh, you know, technology doesn't give you that satisfaction. You know, I'll be right. uh, drinking margaritas somewhere if that was the case. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's curious because I do think, I, f- I see things kind of going in two directions here, which is like, it feels like, you know, you have some customers who are, they want it to be as simple as possible, as convenient as possible. Press the button on the phone, get me the food as quickly and easily as possible. And then you do have this other path of customers that's very, you know, I want the experience. I want to enjoy it. I want to sit inside the restaurant. And increasingly, I feel like there's not a lot going on in between here. I'm just curious about curious about your thoughts on that and how we, you know, we do have convenience really ramping up. But I mean, we're never going to lose that experience, right? Exactly. You know, look, uh, I'll, I'll use a simple example. So, uh, uh, Technomic just did a survey to find out what is the most craveable sauce in America, and okay. it is cane sauce. Uh, and cane sauce led that by about. 25 points ahead of the closest second. So pretty far out there, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I love that. But you know what I really love is that that cane sauce is made in every single restaurant multiple times a day by a manager or a restaurant leader only who never even writes down the recipe. It is passed along uh, like an urban legend, you know? (laughs) Uh, There's power to that, you know? Mm -hmm. There is power to that story. Uh, yes, we could do like many other respectable brands do and get it made in a, uh, in a factory somewhere and put it on our shelf. Uh, we take pride in that human touch. We are fry cooks and cashiers. That's what we do the best at. Uh, in fact, <laughs> in fact, uh, our, our, our restaurants do not have a, do not even have a heat lamp because mm. we want to serve our chicken finger meals fresh, made to order, more importantly, made for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is that is the that may sound complex but we are the fastest uh business out there in terms of serving our customers so we'll keep up our commitment to speed we'll keep up our commitment to quality but we'll most importantly keep up our commitment to making it a human experience 
Sure, yeah. Okay, so you're opening unit number 600, and I got to say, highly appropriate that you chose Corona, California to open your 600th location. Have to have to imagine there have been jokes around the uh, Raising Cane's headquarters about that one. Um, but you're planning 100 more locations this year, you know, claiming to be really the fastest growing chicken brand out there right now. And as we all know, chicken has, I mean, you know, chicken's always popular, but the last two years has been explosively popular. Tell me how you, how do you continue to assert Raising Cane's dominance of this industry when the pandemic has really given chicken a platform to just like go even further with virtual brands, chicken wings. Tell me a little bit about how you're navigating that com competitive part of it. You know, we just stay on our lane. We focus on one thing and uh, we love our chicken friends. I mean, they're after uh, every part of the chicken, it seems like, uh, but we focus on one thing. We are all about chicken fingers and craveable chicken finger meals. Um, many people ask me who's your competitor. You know, look, we, we compete with everyone who serves food. Uh, that's like any other business, but yeah. uh, we focus on being uh, experts at chicken finger meals. That's what, that's what we're good at. That's what we're going to continue doing. Uh, and that's where, that's where we're going to really make our mark. So we can coexist with a lot of great people out there, uh, no problem, because the, our customers know when they're chicken, thinking about a craveable chicken finger meal experience, Cane's kind of, kind of, you know, fills that in for them. Yeah. H has there been any supply issues with chicken? I mean, I, I not being a chicken restaurant uh, manager myself, I, I don't know what the supply of chicken at the moment has been like. What's it been like? Absolutely. Look, not just chicken, there has been a supply issue and everything. Yeah. Uh, my favorite coffee shop uh, is running out of cups. So sure, <laughs> yeah. a coffee shop without a cup, right? So uh, like that, it has been, it's been issue everywhere. I will say, uh, Sam, our suppliers uh, really stood up and our suppliers made us a priority. I mean, they delivered us. I can't thank them enough for what they're doing for us. And we have strong partnerships, you know, we believe in partnerships. We believe in making business a two-way street. You know, we, we take care of them, they take care of us. And mm. that has really helped us uh, through these tough times. Uh, yes, pricing in chicken has been really tough. Uh, they've gone up as much as 60, 70% in some cases. Uh, yes, even with that pricing, getting the product in has been hard. Um, but thankfully, we've been able to keep doors open in all of our 607 restaurants that we operate today and continue to grow. We just opened mm. three restaurants this past week, you know. Wow. Uh, we yeah. opened one two days ago. So uh, we continue to open great restaurants all across the country and our suppliers are helping us uh, uh, get them stocked and served. I know you also mentioned inflation earlier. Tell me from a restaurateur's perspective, how do you counter the inflation that's going on right now, especially for uh, a brand the size of Raising Cane's? Restaurant business operate on razor thin margins. You know, you know that and I know that. This is not a business of do dozens of percentages in margin. That's not how we operate. Mm -hmm. So when things like inflation hit, there's not many places you can look at, you know? Mm -hmm. You have to absorb that inflation and some of it has to be passed along to the customers, which is what everybody has done. And, you know, we've had to do the same thing. You know, we have to take a slight price increase to the extent that we can to be able to continue serving our customers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so obviously, inflation, supply, labor, a lot of really kind of big 
heavy things going on that you have to face, but you do have so much to be excited about for 2022. So let's look ahead to this year. I mean, you mentioned 100 locations. How should we, what should we expect? How how is this all going to transpire across the year ahead? Any other big innovations that we should expect from Raising Cane's in the year ahead? In the year ahead, uh, we're excited to enter many new markets that's not seen raising gains yet. So 10 new markets, uh, uh, mostly all across Northeast, I should say, you know, that New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C. corridor is getting filled, is going to get filled with raising gains all the way up into Boston. Uh, We also have restaurants opening up in Florida. Uh, So lots of new restaurants, like you mentioned, 100 plus new restaurants. I really think it's going to be about 115 or so new restaurants next year. Uh, we are also building our momentum to be a $10 billion business in about seven years. Wow. Uh, that's where we're headed, uh, which is a big milestone for us. What makes me really happy is that that means we're going to be serving our customers uh, more than a billion times that year, which is be, this will be fantastic. Uh, and uh, we're also really proud and humbled to be able to create all these opportunities this year alone. We will have 15,000 plus new jobs that we create in the communities. Uh, and that means first jobs, second chances, great new restaurant leaders. And we're also going to expand on our restaurant partner program that you've covered before. Yeah. We have industry's best restaurant partnership program uh, period. And we have over 100 new restaurant partners that will graduate into that program this year, which I'm very excited about. That means 100 plus more millionaires in this industry that we will create over the next uh, several years. So right. uh, really exciting stuff. So that, that, is, is, uh, that is what I'm excited about in 2022. You mentioned restaurants all over the world. Tell me about plans to, to take this thing globally. How important is it to really establish, uh, you know, fill in the markets here domestically before you really kind of blow this thing out internationally? You know, we get a lot of interest all over the world to franchise our business, partner with us to grow the business. Uh, we are already in the Middle East. So we have about 30 restaurants in the Middle East, all across in Gulf countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some strong interest from, excuse me, other parts of the world as well. Uh, we we listen to all of them. We look at the best, excuse me, we look at the best opportunity to uh, partner with a great partner when it comes to culturally aligned, driving the business, et cetera. Uh, fundamentally, we look for operators, operators who want to be in the business every single day, be a Franco and a cashier. Uh, honestly, in preparation to be that global brand, uh, we're introducing a lot of flagship locations this year. Okay, uh, okay. In right there on Times Square, we're opening a big, in fact, the largest fast food restaurant in that Bowtie there. Uh, oh, wow. It's under lease. It is in early stages of development. That will open in the next 13 months or so. So that'll be exciting. We're opening up a location in uh, Miami, Florida, right there uh, on Lincoln Boulevard area there. We're opening up a location in Washington, DC, another location in Nashville, right there on Broadway, another location in uh, Las Vegas on the Strip. All Uh these what I call flagship high visibility locations, uh, they're also the gateway to international presence. So. I would I would suspect that we'll get a lot more interest after those locations are up and running, and meanwhile we'll work on an international strategy uh, to see how we would like to approach those. Yeah, I mean, of course, for such a drive-through heavy business such as Keynes, I mean, all of those locations you just listed, 
no drive-throughs here. I mean, we're talking about lots of walking traffic, probably a lot of tourism, of course, in Times Square. Um, and then internationally, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine you, you're looking too much at drive-through and internationally with maybe some exceptions. So how does that change your approach to a Raising Cane's restaurant when you go into some of these new flagship locations? What are the things you're, you are looking for from a service perspective to make the, those kinds of locations work as they, you know, and do the same kind of sales volume you might at a drive-through location? You know, it's interesting. Uh, everybody thinks of us as a drive-through uh, drive-through drive business, which mm -hmm. we are, by the way. Seventy percent of our business comes through drive-through. But we also have great dining rooms. Uh, yeah. Uh, in fact, every single of our every single one of our restaurants, uh, they are local, community-oriented restaurants. We take a lot of pride in making them unique in its own. They have great dining rooms. Uh, we're very quick in our dining room service as well. And we have great dining room traffic, you know? Uh, I mean, to just do the math, we are a $5 million AUV business. If you just put out the 70% business that comes with the drive-through, it's still a million and a half dollar business in our dine-in business, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're a very strong dine-in business. So really we're not retooling anything as we go into these flagship locations, but they do have large dining rooms. Like I mentioned mm -hmm. in, in New York City, uh, that'll be one of the largest fast food restaurant on the Bowtie in Times Square area there. Uh, to serve to that customer demand that we know is gonna be there. Uh, other than that, you know, we are we've been uh, good at serving customers both in the drive-through and in dining. So we're gonna be on the path. Would you expect more digital interaction with customers in those locations as well? Yes, sir. So uh, introducing a mobile channel was a part of the learning from COVID. Yeah. And we we are planning to really improve on that and add more into our digital journey this year. So I'm more to come on that. We haven't laid out a full roadmap yet, okay. uh, but there is more to be expected in digital channels. Yeah, I'm just wondering too, because I know it seems like so many other companies, not only has the pandemic unlocked the potential of digital, but then digital unlocks the potential of knowing so much about your customers. I mean, with the, the data you're taking in, something like that, you guys must be looking at that and how you can take advantage of it. Absolutely. I mean, we're fortunate. Arcaniacs, uh, they are high reputation customers. They visit our locations uh, quite a bit already. So we have high loyalty, uh, but it'll be great to get more information about our customers. So uh, I'm not proud to say that we're not very good at it, but we're not. Uh, but we'll be learning a lot more and getting better at digital. Does that help you then? I mean, I, you know, not necessarily the, digi the digital data, but just data generally. I, I imagine you also have to follow that closely to know which of those markets are going to be smartest for raising canes to expand into. Yep, absolutely. I mean, look from an expansion perspective, um, it has been. It is. I mean, we've had like strong data available to us, and the the brand presence. Although we are only in thirty two states right now, the brand presence that we've seen has been really, really good. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've seen. Forbes just put out a study across America, across all industries. They looked at from customers, they asked a simple question on, hey, what is your favorite brand? They didn't prompt them with any list. Mm -hmm. And we are one of the five, you know, sorry, three uh, restaurant brands that were featured in the top 100 list, you know, which really speaks volume to our, you know, brand presence and brand awareness out there already. Mm -hmm. so that said, it'll be great to get more information. More information is power, right? So sure. we definitely want to do all right, AJ, last question for you. Just thinking about, you know, it's still early in the year, thinking about the year ahead. Not, doesn't have to be necessarily New Year's resolution, but what is something for this year you're personally looking forward to or maybe just hopeful for um, to accomplish in the year ahead? Look, uh, 
Looking forward to this year, my biggest uh, hope is that we start seeing the bottom of some of these challenges that the economy is seeing, whether that mm -hmm. is staffing challenges or product issues. Uh, look, I my heart goes out to our fellow operators. Uh, we are a big business. We can take a blow and we can actually come ahead and, and sustain a blow. Uh, we, are, uh, we are fortunate in that. But many mom and pop, many small restaurateurs cannot do that. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, restaurants operate in razor thin margins and many of them are out of business, out of their dreams because of what's happening, you know? So my my hope is really not for raising gains. We'll survive, we'll do well. My, my wish is for the industry in general that we all kind of get through it so that all those small operators can make their dream come true. So that's my hope. That's great. AJ Kumaran, co-CEO of Raising Canes. Thank you for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate your time. That was my interview with Raising Canes co-CEO AJ Kumaran. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my four takeaways. My first takeaway is that showing your appreciation for your team members can go a long way. Raising Canes is well known for their hospitality, but especially for their teams and taking care of their teams. They invested more than $100 million in wages last year, and they have this great restaurant partner program where they develop their people and lead them on their way to restaurant ownership and becoming millionaires, as they like to point out. Um, but it's not just for the success of the company. They're not doing this selfishly. They legitimately want to be one of the best places to work and they are accomplishing that. According to Glassdoor, Raising Cane's is one of the best companies to work for, not just in the restaurant industry, but in all industries. Raising Cane's is known to have happy employees who want to be there and want to work for them. When people ask me, what's the secret to some of these companies that are doing so much success? AJ said they're doing $5 million in average unit volumes at Raising Cane's. When people ask me the secret to that success, usually they're asking about companies that take care of their people. Raising Cane's is certainly one of those companies. My second takeaway is that you should train your teams well in advance of growth. AJ and I talked a lot about how Raising Cane's is planning to expand across not only the U.S., but also around the world. They have 100 restaurants planned for this year and 350 in the pipeline. But of course, you cannot just snap your fingers and make a restaurant happen. And you also can't have that level of hospitality that Raising Cane's provides without working ahead. AJ pointed out that their managers have seven months of training before they open the restaurant, and multi-restaurant leaders have 18 months of training before they step into their position. This is planning well in advance of growth so that they can make sure their people are, are prepared for the kind of hospitality that is expected of Raising Cane's. My third takeaway is this. The human touch still counts for something. This is a theme that we talk about here at Takeaway and also over at Extra Serving, this idea that automation is really taking over the restaurant industry and allowing a lot of restaurant companies to replace their workers with 
computers and robots and automated tools. But some companies like Raising Cane's, they do not want to replace their people, even though they are using some of this automation and technology to simplify operations, their kitchens, and make things more efficient. Even though they're doing that, they want that human component, that experience to count for something AJ pointed out that the cane sauce that uh, so many of Raising Cane's fans know and love, that's made in the restaurant by hand every day by someone on that team. They could have somebody make it in a factory and package it and ship it to the restaurants, but it is important to them that they do this uh, at the restaurant so that it is made to order and it is still something that is very a very human component of what Raising Cane's is doing in the restaurants. My fourth and final takeaway is that there is nowhere to hide from inflation. Of course, AJ and I get into talking about supply chain and talking about labor, but inflation has become this third big issue that restaurateurs are dealing with every day uh, in the industry this year in 2022. As AJ pointed out, this industry is one of razor-thin margins. And so unfortunately, when you your margins are so small, there's nowhere you can turn to for cost savings when you have inflation such as we have this year. And so Raising Cane's they, they talks about, you know, they have to pass that on to the customer because they cannot find anywhere else to cut, you know, on their P&L. There's nothing else they can do because the margins are so small. So hopefully here in 2022, we can get to a point where inflation peaks, where we get to a point where restaurants do not have to make those decisions where they're passing on the cost to their customers. But it is everywhere, as AJ pointed out, that it is there at Raising Cane's. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okus at informa.com. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next week.